welcome to episode 7 of the Acquiring Scale podcast. This is your host Gabriel Murillo and today we have Doran Wolfer. He is an SEO expert who has been buying websites for the past few years, buying and selling, growing these sites and we're going to be sharing some of the insights after seven figures worth of deals. So hey Durham, welcome to the show. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. All right, man. So I know you have quite a lot of experience on buying and selling websites and all kinds of different things with the SEO world. But I wanted to go ahead and, and, and chat with you about why you started buying websites and what got you into that. Awesome. So that all started when I worked at Yellowhead. Yellowhead is a marketing agency based out of Israel. They work with a lot of big brands across the uh, mostly the gaming industry, but also other brands like Procter & Gamble in the gaming industry, Zynga, and other, they're really big on social casino. And I was working there as the head of SEO, and they came up the idea to see, you know, how the company can expand the, their revenue without being solely dependent on clients. So we got talking and we thought, you know, we know how to do SEO for clients, you know, why don't we try to do it for us? So maybe, you know, we can build a website and see if, you know, we can turn it into a cash flow positive asset uh, that the company can grow over time. And we also have like a nice amount of uh, cash flow right now. So let's see if we can leverage that to buy to buy new businesses and capitalize on all the knowledge that we have in the agency, whether it's SEO, whether it's Facebook advertising, Google advertising. We, we had a, like our own creative department in-house. So let's see how we can bundle all that and leverage that, you know, to take, to, to buy smaller and medium businesses and take them to the next level. So uh, that's how it it all started. Yeah, I think last time I, I checked, it says about 17 websites, but I'm sure in between you probably look, I don't know, maybe 100 or over 100 different websites. Yeah, at least. So I started with online acquisitions in early 2017. During that time, we've built three in-house websites, acquired another, I think it's 15 or 16 websites, and managed to sell a few as well. And yeah, we probably looked at at hundreds of websites, all the possible platforms, EF, FE, Flip, private brokers, doing our own deal flow, tried pretty much every every channel we could get to find new deal flow. And and yeah, that, that was made, that, that's probably one of the most challenging aspects of the business, you know, how to find that stable stream of deal flow where you can also be like reactive and and be quick about making the decisions because like you can see a really nice website and it can be gone like that, you know, within less than 24 hours if you don't have a good relationship, if you don't know exactly what you uh, you, you want with it and you're not decisive, then we also had cases like that where we just, you know, hesitated and, and lost on a good amount of uh, deal flow. Yeah. Now I know there's some people for larger acquisitions that they typically say, hey, if you can work directly with the seller of a company, it's better. We're talking about, you know, a million to $10 million kind of companies. It may it may be better terms, a better, you know, deal structures and whatnot. There's not a broker involved. But I think for the target that you guys were working with or 
that FE or Empire Flippers or most of these brokers, they offer this range of six-figure deals. So do you have any thoughts about working with brokers and what's working, what's not working? Yeah. So we, for the most part, we did six-figure deals. So anywhere from 50K to 250K, uh, th- those are the largest deal we did. We We haven't gotten... Uh, to seven figures yet. We were self-funded and the idea was just kind of to leverage the money that we had within. So not a lot of experience and anything I can comment on anything that's, you know, seven figures and up. But I will say on on, on the six-figure deal, right now there is just not enough good deals out there that you can rely on just one single source of deal flow. So if you want to find good deals, you have to be active on more than one platform. And then you have to be very active and and have a, a really good criteria about what you want. So when that when you see that listing that you know fits your criteria and you know it fits your growth plan or optimization plan or the stuff that you want to do with the website, that's where you have to be quick about it. Because sometimes you can get lucky on these six-figure deals and the, the, the listing could just sit there and you have enough time to negotiate with the seller and you have enough time to ask questions and go on live screen shares and and all, all that yada, yada, yada. But sometimes, like, when you're doing that, someone else is, is wiring in, like, a police offer or an offer for that matter. And And if you're not based in the U.S. and sometimes... It may be more complicated to send funds from you where you're at, for example, for us in Israel or maybe other buyers on other parts of the planet. So you have to be aware of that. And one of the tips I can give is like, you need to know what you want. And when you see it, you have to act fast because good listings, they go, they sell fast. Do you have any direct relationship or like, or are you trying to reach out to websites on your own outside of brokers or listings or? Yeah, also, we, we also did our own deal flow. What I found challenging there is that if you do your own deal flow, it takes time to build that network. So you have to go into it knowing that you'll probably, unless you're really lucky, you're only going to see deals like six months along the way, 12 months, 18 months. Because what happens is if you do cold outreach to people, they immediately are very flattered. They must think that you know something about their website that they don't. It's very hard to negotiate with them because they're they're not in that mental state of selling the business. Like they're sure that they're one they're one Google update away from doubling, tripling the revenue. So it takes a lot of time just communicate with them, and it's it's really hard to negotiate that way. Plus, they're so emotionally attached to the business at this point. That is very hard for them to let go. But what does happen over time, that, that's why it's, it's like a longer sales process is, so they'll get hit on the next update or like they'll have like a family crisis, family situation at home, whatever. But now they know that they have the option to sell their website, right? They know that, that this possibility exists and you already had a conversation with them. And that's where the, the, the like the, the, the quality deal flow starts to come is when they're like in that stage where the you know they're ready to part with their website they're, they're looking for an exit that's where you can get the, the better multiple wow wow so I'm, what i'm hearing so far it's 
you know, be patient, but also act fast, right? Like you got to be taking a long time to go through these deals, but also move fast and take action. And after working with all these different deals on your own experience and, and working at the company that you used to work with, are there any great stories that you would like to share about acquisitions that you say, well, this is an example on how powerful it is to acquire a content site and some of the results that you guys got? Yeah, sure. So I've actually published a few case studies on sites. Some sites are sites that I've got a chance to flip and other sites built from scratch with the company and managed to sell them. So I can also share them like at the US the case studies later, so everyone could have a look. But we had, for example, I think the second site we bought was uh, a general kind of like an Amazon affiliate review site. We bought it for uh, 51K. We managed to flip that site 16 months later for 137 at full list price with the great guys from Empire Flippers. So that that was a very good good flip during those 16 months the site did i think it was like uh 60 around 60 plus 62 i think uh $1000 in revenue we spent around uh 5 to 6k on the site not including like our manpower um uh, just like content links fixing a couple of plugins so that ended up being a very successful acquisition we also had uh, one of the case studies is a music site in a very, I was kind of like a, a smaller niche within the music on, on one instrument. Started that website kind of like an internal project just to see, you know, if we can do it. Everyone laughed. They thought like, w- w- what's this funny instrument, you know, like who's going to ever be interested in that? And that site ended up being having amazing ROI within two years. I think we invested like 20K just building the site, content, links, development, Sona. And then within, I think it was just over two years, it netted over uh, $60,000, I think it was, or 55 in revenue, plus the sale, it, it sold for 100K. So another 85 net. So overall, pretty successful project. Also had some, some pretty some pretty big failures. Like I think the, the failures are always more interesting than the, the success stories. Yeah, I would love to hear those. Yeah, so the I think I think one of the I think was the third or fourth site we bought was an e-commerce site. So personally I don't I don't know much about e-commerce today and that was a couple of years ago where I really didn't know much about e-commerce but I think it was uh, I think it's a problem a lot of marketers tend to have is kind of being um, overconfident sometimes just because you know one aspect of marketing doesn't know, doesn't mean you know other aspects of marketing or just because you know how to provide marketing services as a service provider doesn't mean you can do it for yourself with the same efficiency. So we ended up buying this e-commerce site thinking, you know, hey, you know, e-com is so simple, you know, it's just drop shipping. Let's buy it. Let's get our experts, like our Facebook experts, our Google experts, our SEO experts. And then, you know, it was a furniture site. So let, let's basically do the next let's turn it into the next wayfair or something like that and that that really wasn't the case like we found out just how complicated it is to run an e-commerce business where you know nothing about it 
and how different it is, uh, you know, to run ads for a business where you also have to do all the own developments, your your internal departments have to communicate with each other. And then just drop it, drop shipping furniture was so complicated, man. They're always they're always damaged. There's always some kind of problem with them. You're you're a drop shipper, so you don't have you, you can't handle returns and those are like high ticket items and it ended up being such a pretty complete failure where like the best thing we could do with the project was just kill them just kill it we couldn't even resell it for for anything and that that wasn't even like the the biggest loss i would say the biggest loss was just operating uh cash flow negative website for i think it was like eight or nine months i think that that's probably that probably cost us a lot more than than the acquisition price yeah, so I think I, I want to go ahead and and really spend some time talking about that because I think one of the, the main things that I'm seeing, even with my own experience and running my own business and now being on the other side and looking to acquire businesses, I, I think these brokers, they do a really good job on packaging up and making it sound very sexy and appealing. But the reality, you know, the practical stuff is it's way more complicated even if you have like you're saying the team the seo people the the pay-per-click you got the whole capability of doing it it still requires some time educating and learning so i would love to to chat uh, more about that with you and if you can expand on that and how critical it is to educate yourself and define a niche i know they talk a lot yeah. about niche and niching down and whatnot yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Like you, you said it all now, man. So that that that's exactly the point. So I to be successful for me now, it means like focusing on one business model that you know that you know better than anyone. Like you know it better than than the broker, the, because uh, brokers are brokers. Like at the end of the day, you know they they do their best, but they also have to sell the listing. And and especially, I think that's the biggest problem on six figure deals. I think it's not as big as a problem with the type of acquisitions that you mentioned that are seven, eight figures, because those acquisitions normally come with a team and those labor expenses for the most part are included. But six-figure deals, especially like the lower range, let's say like a half a million and down, they're always like, oh, you know, this business is it's one hour a day. It's, it's three, four hours a week. You know, you don't have to really do anything. And it's... It's 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 the case, you know, if you're super super competent in this in this type of business model. So if if it's a drop shipping websites and you've done dropship for the last ten years, and you know the ins and outs, so you can you can acquire it and you can keep it as like something that takes, well, maybe if you're not scaling up or anything like that, but it can take like okay, so a couple of hours uh, a day, maybe a few hours a week, but. It, but if you don't know anything about dropshipping, same for SEO. I mean, if if you have a lot of experience with SEO, you you bought sites, you you you've, you've managed sites. So yeah, maybe it, it won't take you more than half an hour a day, a few hours a week. But if you don't have that experience, it's gonna take you a lot longer, and it's gonna be a much more painful process to learn. And it's also an hour a day when things go well. It's a couple of hours a week when things goes well, you know, where Google, where you're you're not effective by by a Google update, where if you're drop shipping, there isn't suddenly a problem with China. It's not New Year's Eve in China where suddenly there's a month that you can't ship out products. 
it's not it's it's not when Amazon suddenly if you're an FBA seller and whoa like what happens when when there's an issue with Amazon so if you don't have that prior experience when when stuff like that happens it's really not an hour a day it's it's really it, it can turn into a part-time job a full-time job and a lot more of it so I think it's like you said so like this specific niche down pick a business model that you understand that you really understand the volatility the volatility of it the risk involved and make sure that you have a growth strategy that's not just like one pillar like if you if you buy a business and you plan on growing whether it's SEO e-commerce FBA whatever there should be like more than than one way of growing the business because if something happens then that's it like you can lose like half of the business if you're just let's say you buy a content site right and you say okay so i'm going to grow that this is an affiliate site and i i'm going to grow it with content that's fine you know maybe you grow it with content what 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 happens when amazon changes their affiliate rates what happens if you're working on a direct deal and that deal is no longer available like do you have contingency do you have a growth plan that that is I want to grow SEO this way. I see some monetization opportunities with A-B testing. I see some chances with affiliates so I can improve that offer or I have at least alternative offers in case that offers fall through and and this company no longer wants to work with me. If it's a content site, for example, and it has it's working with a certain ad network, so can you optimize that? Can you get a better deal with them? Can you can you shift and test another ad network? So when you when you're acquiring it, your growth plan on how to grow the business isn't just one thing. It's it's a few things that if one doesn't work, the other doesn't work. At least you have that that third that third parameter that can still boost your business a bit. Or if there is like a negative change, at least it kind of keeps you, you know, at a place where at least you know you're not losing money. Yeah, now since you mentioned that, I know by the time we're recording this podcast, April 15 to 2020, just yesterday or two days ago, I think you were mentioning during that, you, you mentioned you say before we were recording the earthquake that just happened with the sure, announcement yeah. that Amazon affiliates did. So a big, big change. And some of this, I was, some of the groups that I'm part of on uh, online acquisition, they're talking about some of them are like 80% and, and revenue drop just because they were. 100% dependent on the affiliate revenue. And again, just to give some context, I know most people are familiar with these terms, but for you listening, typically what, what Dorna has been talking about, it's mostly websites that generate affiliate revenue by you know creating high quality content and then driving that traffic of the website or the ranking that you get to build during years, you get to drive that traffic towards affiliate offers. And there's many companies out there, which I would love to ask you about that as well next. But with the Amazon affiliate in particular, it has been a massive change that it just took like a day for them to announce it. And that's going to change very drastically the industry, I think. Yeah, it's it's a major earthquake, like you said. Like a lot of people are are gonna lose fifty percent of of their business now, eighty percent of the business. They definitely, I think, they just got a lot of people fired by doing that. A lot of big publishers are gonna suffer as well. I think it was 
something that was always there. Like if you've ever bought, a, for example, a site with Empire Flippers, they always listed, like if you're buying an Amazon associate business, those commissions are, are only going to go one way and that's down. Like, so it was bound to happen. I think no one thought it would be as aggressive as they did it. Like they basically, I think they basically killed the program with the new rate. So not sure if they'll revert it or not. There, there's a chance they will because it is getting some negative media attention. So maybe. But I I wouldn't be so discouraged if you have an Amazon associate business and this happened to you. It's also it's also an opportunity and, and you know a lot of people within your niche are gonna get discouraged as well. So they're gonna stop working on their websites. They're gonna be a lot a lot less affiliate website this year, I think like 70, 80%. I think that business model has died uh, and it's going to take time for uh, people to catch up with alternatives and start affiliate websites that are not only monetized with Amazon. The reason why there's so many Amazon affiliate websites is just because it was so easy to find all the offers in one place. But there's a lot of good plat- platforms out there that gives you, uh, whether it's share, sale, impact, radius, you can find... I think almost every niche, you, you'll be able to find a decent offer there and with better turns, better cookie, uh, more cookie time. So unless instead of one day, you get 14 days, 30 days, you can negotiate you know, the rates if, if you're bringing sales, which is something you can't really do with Amazon. And I, what I also think is going to happen is some other e-commerce are going to catch up and going to see this as an opportunity to bring in to bring in more publishers to, to their network. I also think that this whole COVID crisis is pushing a lot of brands into the online world. And, and now they really understand the importance of you know having a solid website, having a solid affiliate programs. A lot of people are getting used to, to buying online now um, that they haven't been before. So the whole commerce industry is getting pushed very hard to the online so there is a recession now but but it once that it slowly uh, improves and, and things go back to normal so the ad rates are going to be higher than ever the affiliate offers are going to be better than ever it's a good time to negotiate direct deals some of the categories on amazon if you were doing sports appeal they, they were pretty basic to start with I think the, the biggest impact, like if you had, if you were in the home category, furniture category, pets category, you, you suffered a big hit. But there are a lot of other good offers there where you can take at least, you know, take your, your the core sections of your traffic and find good offers for those top three, four or five best sellers that you have on the side. And you'll be able to, at least in the short term, short term, get some of that revenue back through other platforms. And mid to long run, you're going to make more money with this platform than you've made with Amazon. Indeed. So are there any any top recommendations on platforms that you prefer in terms of affiliates? Yeah, ShareSale has a lot of good offers for physical products. Impact Radius has a lot of a lot of brands are joining there. I think that's that's one of the biggest growing platforms. Commission Junction has some good offers. It really depends on on the space that you're working with. But even direct deals, I think it's it's I think it's a good time to source direct deals 
it's really easy to sell an affiliate program because it's the only marketing channel that doesn't require a pre-existing budget. So if you do get a, a chance to talk to a big brand and say, you know, I have this, I have this website. We sold like a, a, a ton of products for Amazon. We no longer want to work with them. I think your site is much better. So maybe we can send you that traffic. You know, it doesn't require you to spend a ton of money on Facebook. <laughs> Sorry, a ton of money on Facebook, on Google Ads, whatever it is that, you know, here you only have to pay us, you know, when a client makes a purchase. So you don't, have, you don't, you don't even need a marketing budget. All you have to do is, you know, give us a tracking link. We send traffic, they buy, and then you just give us the money after they buy. I mean, there is no better deal in the marketing space than affiliate. I mean, it's based solely on performance. And most of the affiliates, you know, are under, we're probably as affiliates, we're probably under what's the right terminology, but like more like underused because most of us, you know, we get paid for a sale, but for a brand, it's, it's perfect because people see them on our website listed as number one. So that's, that's another advertising for their brand. They can retarget the affiliate traffic. They can do a lot of stuff with that traffic. So I think it's just a question of knowing how to market it as a direct deal. And odds are you're likely to find much better deals than you could with Amazon. It will just require more work. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, even with digital service, I never thought about that. I never came across that. And when I used to run my, my company that was a uh, subscription-based, I wanted to offer uh, kind of like more broad subscription or affiliate deals. But I, I did have a lot of you know challenges with the softwares and the technologies to tracking that stuff. I ended up finding a tool for WordPress that allowed me to to track that. But I'm, I'm curious if you have any recommendations. Do you typically, if the company that you're wanting to get to work on affiliate deal, if they don't have any affiliate tracking, is there any simple tool that you can say, hey, this is 20 bucks a month, I'll pay for it just install this and I run the affiliate deal or, or what, what are your thoughts on that? It's a good question. Most of the brands I work with is always through share, sale and impact. Uh, I'm not sure how e easy or complicated the integration with those is. I'm guessing it's not super complicated. Like if they have a development, like a development team, I, I, I have heard there was one, I think it's called affiliate Lee. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up afterwards. That's someone uh, that I work with someone. So, but I I don't remember exactly. But I think just you know do a bit of research, a bit of digging. It depends on you know what kind of platform the site is on. But I I think that it's something that you know you can you can find a solution there. Totally sounds good. Yeah, I'll definitely add those links in in the show notes for you, uh, those of you listening. So now, when it comes to this different business model that we're talking about, so you have the content and monetization through ads and affiliates and all of that. Have you come across any good combination of those? So I know I, I seen a lot of that lately, where it's not purely a content play; it's also like a membership side or you know, there's they're also running Facebook ads and it's not necessarily an e-commerce store, but they're monetizing by driving traffic and doing some arbitrage on that. So have you seen anything anything like that working lately? 
Well, my speciality is just content sites. So I was super, super focused just on the different types of monetizations available there. And it was most, for the most part, display advertising and affiliate. So I can't, I can't really comment on arbitrage or a membership site. I do think that, you know, if you understand kind of like how the business works, and you know that, you know, you have something that you can just kind of bootstrap or plug in to what is already looks kind of like a healthy business. I think that's where you can uh, make a successful acquisition. What has worked for me personally, in terms of acquisitions, A, just, you know, buy a site that 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 looks like on a positive trend. SEO-wise, like organic traffic seems to be slowly increasing over time. Don't buy sites where they look like they're exploding because that that's that's higher risk that you know there's there's gonna be an update and it's it's hard to say how they're gonna do if they're if they're gonna carry the same momentum. I have seen sites that were like exploding and then just like on the next update they lose like fifty percent of the traffic, especially if if those sites are less than eighteen months old. So if you're buying a site that's like 10 months old, 12 months old, owner is like an SEO specialist, I think that's where you have to be cautious unless you're looking for like a quick flip and kind of mitigate that risk. Also, you know, look into the content, see if the site is just doing well because it's over-optimized for SEO or maybe it just has really good content. And that's, that's, that's the real commodity really is the content. It's it's not the SEO work because you can find a lot of people that are good at SEO, like they know how to do the link building, they know how to do the internal links, they know how to find the long tail keywords. But what's really hard to find is the actual commodity, the actual content. So look for site that had that have really solid content that look a bit different than the average affiliate site. I think that's where you can have more success. And that's especially true if you're looking for like building a portfolio, uh, long-term revenue. If you're more into flipping, that that's where you can be a bit more aggressive. That's where you can capitalize because you know you're only going to hold it for a limited amount of time. What I've done, for example, is I used to buy PBN sites that were listed normally at a much lower multiple. So like. Uh, White Hat, uh, if you if you go to Empire Flippers or another marketplace, normally, if there is no PBN, the site is White Hat, it's like a 36 multiple. But if there is a PBN, it's like 26, 28, uh, much lower. So what I would do with those, I would buy them, I would clean out all the PBNs, replace them with like White Hat links done without reach. Uh, and normally, like if, if that if that's like a 100K site, and but it was priced at a much lower multiple and suddenly instead of 20, 26 it's 36 multiple right because you cleaned all the pbn so that's an additional like 20k that you've done with something very simple because if you were to relist the same website you would get like an extra an extra multiple right instead of 27 28 now it's 36 with something that that isn't super time consuming you can do it within a couple of months, you know, depending how much links there are. And then the other thing that has worked for me well is if you can find two sites in the same niche and bundle them into one listing, that significantly decreases the risk for the seller 
because now instead of just buying one site and that site can get hit by a Google update, suddenly there's another site. So if if this if they're both on the on the first page and this one loses ranking, this one is probably going to get some some kind of boost, you know, because suddenly you know there's there's kind of more traffic available. So it decreases a risk for the for the buyer buyers like that. It's also a way to jump at a higher multiple. I was able to list. I was able to get a 40 multiple by listing two sites within the same niche. So there was these two sites. I bought them for a total of uh, 100K. One was a bit smaller. Like one was, I think, 70K. The other 30K. Bought them, cleaned up the PBNs, bundled them up as one website. They were from two, two different sellers. Bundled them up. Both of them had a positive traffic trend. And within uh, six months, I was able to list them again on the marketplace for 270K. So that's just one example how you can kind of, you know, if if you really know the business model and you really know what to look for, you can make some things that are relatively simple that, you know, any SEO can do, but they can make a huge effect on the 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 multiple you get for the listing. Yeah. And I, I want to take a minute just for you guys listening and acknowledge Lauren, how he, he has built an expertise and has been like, you know, even some of the questions that we've been asking, he keeps going back to staying on his track and that's so critical because one of the temptations right now is trying to be a know-it-all and find like yeah i'm good at this i'm good at that in reality it's the more that you say no the better that you can become a one thing so i appreciate you uh, being an example of that man and it's really inspiring so before we jump in into building a portfolio which will be the last uh, few questions that we have in here I want to talk about some, what are some common red flags that you see in deals? So when you're analyzing or even doing due diligence, are there any common red flags for content websites? Yeah. So anytime you see a website that, you know, the traffic charts are off the, you know, off the grid, like this site is exploding, like you have to ask yourself, so why is he really selling the website? You know, like we'll, most of us are looking for a quick exit, right? But like, why? Like, why now? Why is this guy not curious? You know, to find out what's going to happen next month. So that's where you really have to go in and look at, you know, understand like who's the other person on the line. You know, is he an SEO expert? You know, or is he someone that you know this is his passion project and really pours his heart into the content? So one, if if traffic seems too good to be true, probably is probably like an over-optimized site. So be wary of that. Second thing is look for sites that suddenly develop new sources of monetization before sale. So I've seen sites that they they got hit with like a Google update or um, lost some traffic, but suddenly earnings kind of stay the same. And then you look at you kind of look and see oh, so suddenly they they're making guest post revenue now on their PNL. So every time you see guest post revenue. It's not a necessarily a red flag, but it, but for the most part it is, especially if if the site kind of seems like a lower quality site. Some 
there are some niches where they make a lot of money with with placements like mom blogs and uh recipe blogs make more but but like if it's a suddenly like a two review site that makes a lot of money with guest posts that's a red flag especially when you see new sources of monetization right before the sale that's something that you really have to look into yeah absolutely have you find i know typically on the on talking to a seller the 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 question that most brokers and even more even when i was a seller the the typical question was like well why are you selling so we try to stay away from that question because number one it's it's very naive and number two there's not always going to be the 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 full story through that answer but have you find any any cool questions that you go over and over in this due diligence process yeah, for me, the most important questions are like, you know, who wrote the content to really, and, and I have my own team, like I'm not a native English speaker, but I have my my own team that can look through the content and really understand. For me, that that's the most important commodity is the quality of content is really like good content or like, is it like kind of like fluffy SEO content? Questions that I find effective is more in terms of growth because, like you said, no one is really going to say, you know, uh, th- there's always they always have a new project, they always have something. But a uh, question I ask is like, what's the one thing? Like, if you were to keep the website, what's the one thing you would do to double the revenue? And that's a question that tells me kind of like if this, you know, if he's selling because you know. It thinks the business isn't sustainable or there really is, you know, something to uh, invest. But it, it gives me some perspective on where, like, he thinks the business is at. Because they always say, like, oh, so you can do more. You can add this, add network, or or you can source new affiliate deals or whatever. So I kind of limit them. And I say, so, like, if you if you had to and, and, like, what's the one thing you would do? that could potentially like uh, double the revenue. And then based on that answer, I kind of know what they think about the business really. No, absolutely, man. That totally makes sense. I appreciate that. So I think to wrap up, I wanted to touch base on portfolio. So you did mention the importance of diversifying and kind of minimizing the risk when you have multiple sites. I definitely want to touch on that, but the show acquiring scale the vast majority of the people that we have in here and the audience is people either they're selling their business or and now they're looking to buy different businesses. And one of the common questions that I've been getting so far is what happens if I'm not an operator? What happens if I don't have the skills like you have? I know there's website operators out there. I know some of them that I I have first, you know, hand seen how they may not be successful because they have to keep up with so much stuff. So the model may not be sustainable for that particular operator. We actually saw, and we were talking about this in a couple of episodes ago from a massive failure for the industry with income store where they couldn't keep up. And uh, it was a group that, you know, they have over 400 website properties and they just could not keep up. But the model was like, well, here you are. If you have capital, you can invest on a site, we'll run it for you, and we'll give you guaranteed payments. Of course, we don't have to talk about that because we know that there's no way that you can guarantee an investment. That's a, a huge red flag. But what I would love to learn is, have you find or come across any model that you think can be 
beneficial for non-operators. So if somebody has capital and say, hey, man, I want to invest with you or, you know, someone like you, what do you think will work financially, especially? Yeah, well, the first thing is that if you're not an operator, then you can immediately add like another return on investment just to have like a more accurate business model because that that's the real cost of labor, so to speak, because these businesses for the most part are marketed as like, let's say like a 36 multiple is free return investments, very attractive against real estate or uh, other types of alternative investment. But if you're not an operator, just add an ear on that and kind of quantify your business model to getting your, your investment back in four to five years. And my tip for that before I go into other business models is that I, I think having a business model where, of course, you're not an operator, you're more like an investor, having your money back in five years is a safer option because you can allocate more more resources, more money for not only the maintenance, like the minimal maintenance of the business, but growing it. And it's also to touch on another point when you're uh, thinking in terms of, you know, you're, you're buying the site. So don't only think about what the site is costing you now. So if, if the site costs like 100K, a million, whatever. So that's the list price. But how much is it really going to cost, you know, to maintain and grow the site with an operator, that's another question that you have to and you have you have to have an understanding on what is it going to take you know to take the site to the next level and you know that's what that's what you have to bring into your business plan to be aware that there is additional budget that you have to bring you know to the investment. In terms of business models, so I know there there's a couple of popular business models. One is where so there's an investor and the operator and like the investors will fund the the uh, the acquisition and then so if it's like a 100k website the site is making let's say like 3k a month. So an operator would take um some kind of minimal maintenance fee and then everything above like the the 3k mark where they, the site was listed at as uh, monthly revenue. So they split that 50-50%. I know that's one model that's popular. And then another model is strictly, you know, kind of like an SEO agency. Like you get an operator, you pay him a monthly fee, you know, to operate the site, maintain it, do whatever necessary. And then, you know, he's not as... His, his uh, fee is not uh, incentivized by growth. That's the second... The third model there is, is if you do like a cool buy and then you're able to join a group of investors um, to buy the website through an operator. And then the operator takes, uh, it's kind of like between the two business models. He takes like a certain fee that is relative to how much the site is making. And then he gets some dividends, you know, if the site does well, if, if he manages to really uh, increase the value. Awesome. No, that's that's great. And I know you are in, in a transition right now personally, and you are building out some really cool stuff that you'll be releasing and launching soon. Is there anything else that you would like to, to share? Uh, if somebody, like you're saying, if there's a group out there and say, man, I love what you've been doing. Again, I, I want to acknowledge, you know, you, you went through over a million and a half deal flow and buying and selling businesses. So that's a huge milestone. And but if somebody wanted to say, you know what, I, I got 
you know, half a million dollars in this group buying and we need an, an expert. Do you have anything that you would recommend to work with you or either as a consulting or operator or what would you point people to? Well, I think it kind of depends on, you know, like what they're looking to do, what kind of businesses they're looking to buy. The industry is pretty small, so I I know all the oper- all the other operators and on many occasions I've also recommended, you know, I said like, okay, this project isn't exactly like, you know, for me, but, you know, here's this guy, like you can work with him, he's really good. So I think it's it's mostly uh, a case to case basis. Like you, you can, they, they can reach out. You know, we can talk about you know what what kind of you know acquisitions are they looking to do, and then see you know if that's something I can help or maybe I can re- uh, recommend another operator that could do it. Absolutely, man. This has been very very powerful, very valuable. I really appreciate your knowledge and your time sharing with all of us. So thank you so much. Thank you, man. It's been great. Thanks so much for having me. All right, this is it for this episode. And until next week, uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you.